0: Well, this morning I want to encourage you, if you haven't been baptized, to consider baptism. And uh, the passage that I'm going to use is Matthew 28:18 through 19, so you can turn there in your Bibles. It's often called the Great Commission or the Great Command. And uh, this passage, the Great Commission, puts baptism into the context of discipleship. And that's where it belongs. <clears throat> Starting at verse 16. So the first thing uh, Jesus uh, deals with here is his authority. He's answering, what right does Jesus have to command us to do these things? During COVID, we saw that authority issue come up again and again. Our government, our officials would make new rules, and we would see people challenge their authority to make those rules. And so basically what many people were asking was, what right do you have to make me wear a mask? Or what right do you have to make me get vaccinated? Or what right do you have that we can't get together as a family? There was many of those things that were going on. And those issues are still going through the courts. And it's because in our society, our officials can only make rules that fits within the authority that they have been given. And so... The authorities were saying, we have the right to make these rules. And people are saying, no, you're acting outside of your rights to make those rules. You're going beyond. And so they were challenged. And so rather than be challenged in this, Jesus, right from the outside, right from the start, he's answering that authority question. What right do I have to say this to you? And so he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. He's distinguishing himself from all the other rabbis, the other teachers. They had varying degrees of authority, but Jesus didn't claim a degree of authority. Rather, he's claimed all authority, all possible authority that's in heaven and earth. Go to the very top of all authority, he's there. He's at the top. And so you cannot find an authority that doesn't belong to him. And so, what Jesus is saying right from the outside here at the start is if he commands, we have no right to say to him, by what right do you give me this command? God, only God, has all authority. And so, that's really what Jesus is claiming. I am God, and I have the authority to say this to you. And so, he's leaving no mistake of who is speaking. He is God speaking. This is God who is saying, go and do these things. Not go if you wish to go, but it's a command. Go, and it's coming from the one with all authority. When I was young, uh, one day we came home from school, and my parents were in town, and we each knew what we were supposed to do, and that was go out and uh, do the chores, feed the animals. Um, We each had our own jobs that we did every day, every evening after school. And so on this evening, uh, my oldest brother he took out a pail and he sat on it, and he would have been uh, eleven or twelve, and I would have been six or seven. And so sitting on that pail, he said to me, he says, "Don, I'm going to sit here, and you're going to do my chores." And I answered, "No, I'm not. I have my own chores to do." And which he answered to me, he says, "Well, mum and dad are gone, and when they're gone, I'm the oldest, and being the oldest, that makes me the boss." And so you have to obey me. And again, I answered back to him, well, yes, mom and dad are boss, but you're not my boss. And when they get home, if your chores aren't done, you're the one that's in trouble. And I think I followed up with something like, na, 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 (laughs) na. Well, he got up and he did his chores. Why? Because he didn't have the authority to command me to do his chores. So I could ignore him. You know, some people approach Jesus like that. When Jesus gives a command, they treat him like an older brother who you obey or you don't obey according to your feelings at the time. They don't see him as having that all authority. And so Jesus is saying, I am God who is speaking, go and do these things. He's leaving us no doubt about having established his authority and his right to do so. So the first thing he does under that authority, he says, go and make disciples. And notice he doesn't say, go and get people saved. Go and get people to believe. Getting saved is essential. It's vitally important. If one doesn't get saved, one lives under judgment for eternity, and one will never be his disciple if you don't get saved. But getting saved is, is never being God's end goal for us. Too often what we'll do as believers is we try to get a person saved and then it's mission accomplished. And with God, that's never mission accomplished. Getting saved is simply the first step on the mission, towards the mission. It's a necessary first step towards God's end goal for us and make disciples, being a disciple That's God's desire, that's his goal for us, is to be a committed, devoted follower of Jesus Christ. Now it's true, you cannot be a disciple unless you're first saved. But God never intended for people to get saved and not be a disciple. And I would ask, can you even be saved and not be a disciple? That's a tough question to wrap your head around. And actually, the Bible has some pretty strong warnings about that. Quite a few years ago, uh, he was a good friend of mine, called me up, and he said, Don, can we meet for coffee? Sure. We went to the coffee shop, and uh, one of the first things he said to me as we sat down there and our coffee was served, he said, Don, what do I have to do to get saved? I want to get saved today. Do I pray a prayer? Do I do some ritual? What do I do to get saved? And so as I talked with him about that, I said, so why do you want to get saved? Well, I don't want to go to hell. I believe this is hell, and I don't want to go to hell. Well, that's a good start. But as I talked further with him, I said, I think you don't want to go to hell, but you don't want anything to do with Jesus, do you? And he was honest, and he said, no, I don't want anything to do with Jesus. I said, you don't want to follow him, do you? You don't want to give your life to him. No, I don't want to give my life to him. I just don't want to go to hell. And so then I said to him, well, then, I don't think you can get saved today. Because you want nothing to do with Jesus. He didn't want to be a disciple of Jesus. You see, in salvation, we take Jesus as Lord. We take him as God of our lives. We embark on a journey of faith called discipleship. And I believe we do a great disservice to people when we present salvation only, and that's the end goal. Now, you can be saved without understanding discipleship. Yes, you can. But it's not the end goal. So what is a disciple? Well, in their context, they would have understood a disciple... When a rabbi asked you to be his disciple, he was asking you to, <clears throat> excuse me, to give control of your life over to the rabbi. He was asking you to adopt his lifestyle, his way of thinking, to adopt his beliefs, to become like the rabbi in all things. You were to become a carbon copy of the rabbi. You dressed like him, you acted like him, you thought like him. In all ways, you became like him, and you walked in obedience to him. Now, Jesus is this kind of rabbi. No, he's not asking you to dress like him. But in Romans 8, 29, God says, those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the likeness of Jesus. What's he talking about here? The likeness of Jesus in who he is, in his character. And so... God's goal for you is that you become a devoted follower of Jesus in who he is, in his character, in his desires, in his will. You're an obedient disciple. So that's the first thing of the Great Commission is he says go and make disciples. The second thing he says baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Now, why is baptism so important that Jesus puts it in place here? It's because baptism is our public statement or our public commitment to enter into discipleship. It's the first step where we're declaring that Jesus is my master. He is my Lord, my God. He is my rabbi. I'm declaring that I'm now a disciple of him. And so... The first step, go and make disciples, that's where I choose to become a disciple. Now I take the step of baptism I publicly declare that I'm becoming a disciple. So often over the years I've heard, well, I can't get baptized yet. I'm not ready. I need to get my life in order first. And usually they're thinking of some kind of sin. It might be that I've had some, well, you know, I've got to quit smoking before I get baptized. Or some other drug. Or, you know, I need to quit being involved in pornography. Or I need to quit lying. Or, you know, I need to clean up my language. Uh, But usually that's what they're thinking of when they're saying I'm not ready. They're looking at their life and they're seeing a deficiency and they say we have to get up to a certain spot. Well, that's the wrong view of baptism. What they're saying is when I'm good enough, when I'm worthy enough, I'll get baptized. Here's the answer to that. You'll never be good enough. You'll never be worthy enough. Not until you die and you go to be as Jesus and you're perfected in His presence. That's not what baptism is about. Biblically, baptism came immediately upon confession of your faith. The sooner, the closer it was to confession of your faith, the better. And so when you first believe, You believed and chose to become a disciple, now you show it by going through the process of discipleship and baptism is the first step of publicly declaring I'm a disciple. Or I'll hear this excuse sometimes, I don't need to get baptized, I can be a good Christian without being baptized. And I believe there's a disconnect in thinking in this, to be a Christian is to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. To be a disciple is to obey Jesus. To obey Jesus is to get baptized because he commanded it. And so it's not a matter I get to pick and choose which of his commands I obey. This is Jesus saying, all authority has been given to me. I am God. Now go and get baptized. He's not leaving us any options here. Now, why do people hesitate? besides not feeling that they're good enough or ready. For some people, I believe it's because they hesitate to fully commit to Jesus. They want salvation. They might not be like my friend who at that point didn't even want Jesus. They do want Jesus, but they just don't want the complete Jesus. The one who asks for obedience in all things. They want to remain in control, or at least in some control. They're willing to give up control of many things. But don't touch these, Jesus. Now, really what they're saying is, I want what you can do for me, Jesus. I want you to save me. And I'm even willing to give up something for that. But I don't want all of you. And so it's a hesitation that's coming from our old nature, You see, our old nature doesn't want to lose control. And our old nature is very willing to give up control in some things if we can keep control in some things. For some people, it's pride or fear. Pride in that, for some people, they just see it as very humbling. And they're very hesitant to take that step. And so they avoid it. Some people, it's, uh, it's fear. They just, they're afraid of being in front of people and taking that step. For some people, it, it's simply they're not being taught about baptism. When I was growing up at our church out at Avon Glen, uh, we usually had beginning pastors. They'd come out of Bible school, and uh, they'd come for two or three years, gain some experience, and they would move on. And uh, I believe what happened was baptism just got lost. And uh, so it just really wasn't taught. It wasn't that the church didn't believe in it. It just kind of got lost. It wasn't taught. And then suddenly they realized what was happening. And our pastor at the time began to teach on it. And there was quite a few of us that got baptized. I was baptized at Camp Lake. That's over towards Viking. On a Sunday afternoon... When I was somewhere around 20. Why not? Much earlier you might say, well, it's just I wasn't taught. Once I realized that Jesus was asking me to do this, I then did it. Now, maybe you have a different reason. And you say, well, mine is legitimate; It's a valid reason. And all I'll say to that is the question is, if you haven't been baptized, what does Jesus Think about that reason. The one who commanded you to be baptized. Or do you see Jesus like that elder brother sitting on the pail giving you an order and it seems to you like it's optional whether you're going to obey or not. If you know about baptism, if you know about discipleship, And you choose not to follow on discipleship. Then there's one of two things happening. It's possible that the person is not born again. And Jesus said there will be people on the judgment day will say, Lord, Lord. And he says, I never knew you. And they'll say, well, I did all these things and I was so faithful in all these things. But then it says, but you never obeyed me. And so it's possible that a person thinks they're born again, but they're not. And so that's why they're not choosing to be baptized. They're not walking in obedience. The other possibility is that they're born again, but they're walking in disobedience, either through ignorance, as I was until 20, or through deliberate action, or deliberately disobeying. Now, it doesn't matter which situation you're in. It requires a decision. The question is, am I going to continue to reject Jesus or am I going to believe in him and make him my Lord and step out in discipleship? If we make the right decision, if you make the right decision, you will gain everything that is important. You will gain life. But again, we come up against a problem. A lot of people think that if I step out in complete obedience to Christ, I actually lose life, I don't gain it. They think that if they devote their lives to Christ, that in the end they have nothing. But that's not true. It's actually when you pursue the things of this world and you refuse to devote your life to Christ that it comes up empty. But it's difficult to convince them that when they're pursuing the things of this world, it's an empty pursuit. When we lived in southern BC at Greenwood, uh, there was a story there about a man, uh, he earned the nickname of Dynamite Charlie, and in the early years he had prospected there, in the early years of the last century, and uh, Charlie was convinced there was gold at the centre of a certain mountain, and uh, certainly a lot of gold had been uh, taken out of Greenwood, it was actually the site of one of their, in the late 1800s, of a gold rush. And thousands of people had flocked in there uh, to prospect for gold. But uh, in this particular mountain, everyone told him that there was no gold. Uh, Even the geologists said that, no, there's no gold there. But he was convinced. He bought so much dynamite over the years, that's how he earned his nickname, Dynamite Charlie. He spent his entire life either working to earn money to buy dynamite, or he was tunneling in that mountain. He spent a fortune trying to obtain a fortune, all to end up with nothing. Always searching for satisfaction, never succeeding. But he couldn't be convinced otherwise. And that's why some people hesitate to sell out to Christ. Because they're convinced in their mind they're going to find satisfaction in the things of this world. And they believe that they're going to lose that satisfaction of life if they commit to Christ. But the opposite is true. I want to say to you today, I just encourage you to give up your other pursuits. Take baptism and pursue discipleship. If you haven't committed to be a disciple of Jesus, it's not too late. There's an old saying that the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago. The second best time is today. Esther and I, as we, <clears throat> we we're setting up a new acreage, and uh, so we left the farm about 40 years ago, and we're just saying, you know, we wished we had planted trees there 40 years ago. We would have a beautiful yard, beautiful windbreak. Yes, that would have been better. But this past summer, we planted the trees. You know, we can always wish back and wish we'd done it but if you haven't taken baptism today is the best day to commit to doing so jesus goes on to his third statement in this command teaching them to obey everything baptism is simply the first step in learning to obey jesus the disciple learns to obey everything that jesus taught he doesn't get to pick or choose Now, as I've gone through these three things, you've uh, noticed that there's a, perhaps you've noticed there's a progression here. Really, all three things are saying the same thing. There's just a progression. Number one, we start with what we are called to, discipleship. Number two, we make a public commitment to discipleship through baptism. Number three, we follow through in the process by now learning to obey. And that's a lifelong process. And so the three are really a triplet. They're really speaking to the same thing, yet showing a progression. Call to discipleship, you're committed to discipleship, and now you're going to go on and practice discipleship. Jesus is not looking just for saved people. Jesus is not looking for religious people. He's looking for fully committed Disciples. Now, Jesus doesn't just leave us here with a command. He leaves us with an assurance. He says, surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. And so he's saying, if you will today enter into this process of being a disciple, I have a promise for you. I will be with you right through to the end. I'll never leave you. You'll never find me absent. I'll be with you right through to the end. You know, as you look and you read the story of Jesus in the Bible, there's a consistency. When he would meet people, he had a command for them. And this command was very simple come follow me. He met the men who were fishermen tending their nets, and he said, come follow me. He met Matthew in the tax collector booth, and he said, come follow me. He talked to a rich young man one day, and he said, Come follow me. That's still his basic command. And really in the Great Commission, if you want to reduce it to three words, the Great Commission is this. Come follow me. And show it by being baptized. And then learn to obey. It's as simple as that. So I want to ask you, are you a disciple or are you simply saved? Are you committed or are you simply confessing? Are you practicing Or are you simply professing? If you are here this morning and you're truly born again, but you haven't entered into that discipleship process, somewhere, somehow, God is going to bring you into a crisis point in your life where you have to decide, where you have to make a choice. In Mark 10, we see the story of the rich young man. He comes to Jesus and uh, falls on his knees before Jesus, And his question is, good teacher, what do I have to do to inherit inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives an interesting answer to him. He says, well, you want to inherit eternal life? Go to the law. Follow all the law. And the guy is able to say, well, since I was a young man, I've kept those things. But he knew he still didn't have eternal life. So he says, what do I have to do now? And Jesus gives him an interesting answer. He says, sell everything you have. Give it all away and come follow me. And you'll have eternal life. Now, Jesus is not telling him that by selling everything, he's going to gain eternal life. You can go sell everything you have today. It won't give you eternal life. What Jesus is doing is he's bringing him to a crisis point because for this young man, money was his God. And for him, he couldn't pursue money and pursue God. And so Jesus was simply bringing him to a crisis point. Come follow me. And it says at this, the young man's face fell. He went away sad because he had great wealth. You see, there was one thing that he lacked in his life. He was trying so hard. But the thing that he lacked was being totally sold out to Jesus in discipleship. And that's what Jesus was calling him to. So Jesus was not against the young man's wealth. He was simply bringing him to a crisis point. Are you willing to be a disciple at any cost? Your crisis point will be different. But somewhere all of us need that crisis point where our old nature is challenged and we choose discipleship. The 12 disciples, many of them had to leave their businesses. Rich young man, he said, sell it all. The woman caught in adultery, he said, go and sin no more. But I pray that if you are not a fully committed disciple this morning, that God would bring you to a crisis point. Somehow, that's the best thing that could happen to you. Don't get stuck at just believing, at just being saved. So many do that. Don't get stuck pursuing things that won't last. The rich man got stuck on his wealth. Today, if you haven't been baptized, this in itself is a crisis point for you. It's a crisis of choice. Because Jesus is still saying, come follow me, be my disciple, get baptized, and spend the rest of your life pursuing that. And so this morning, I, get, and I want to just leave you with that invitation. If you haven't been baptized, and you would like to be baptized, come talk to me in the next week or two. And we'll make sure that happens. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we come and we acknowledge you as Lord and God, the one with all authority. Uh, These can sound like hard words, but you have the authority to ask them, to say them. But you've also clearly told us that if we're willing to lay down our life and follow you, we find life. But if we're not willing to lay down our life and follow you, We lose life. And I just pray that in each of us, some here might be needing to make that initial decision of following, being a disciple, getting baptized. Others have already made that decision. They're already baptized, but now they're going through life and we all struggle with following through on that. And I just pray that you would help us to be faithful in our following of of you, of being a disciple, of learning to obey all that you've commanded. I pray this in Jesus' name.